Welcome to our weekly Church on the Rock podcast. For more information, visit us at churchak.org, download our Church on the Rock AK app, or like us on our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our weekly podcast. All right. Okay. Well, we are continuing our series dissatisfied, a holy discontent. Yeah, I'm talking about something this morning that's very, very, very close to my heart. It's been like food, water, and air I breathe. That's what I'm going to be talking about. You're probably wondering, what is that? Well, if you've ever been in a place of discontent, if you've ever had stress overwhelming, if you've ever felt like you've been in a position where you need some breakthrough and it just seemed like ongoing resistance, if you ever felt like you were being worn down by something around you, you just couldn't put your finger on it. Did you feel like you ever feel in a place of, of struggle where you're thinking, man, I just got to bust out of this, this place I'm in, this season I'm in. I'm just, you know, you just, a holy discontent comes all over you. Well, I want to talk to you this morning about prayer. This, this is really the, the end of this series before we go into our Echo Conference, which I think is very fitting because we're going to be having a lot of missionaries to pray for and, and, uh, What's so beautiful about prayer is God has given all kinds of means where he communicates with us, chiefly through his word, yet there is many others that he'll speak to us, yet we have one way to communicate with God and to grow in our relationship really in our, it's conversation with him, it's prayer, it's talking with God, it's sharing our life and our concerns and, and burdens and all that stuff. And so I want to go there this morning and I'm calling this the Believer's Stamp. Because you all have a place to stand in Christ. Everybody does. That is full of authority and power. And it's anointed and it's glorious. And a place where you can thrive and grow. And it is a place where you can walk in the peace of God and the strength of God. It's a place where you can feast at a table that's prepared for you in the presence of your enemies. Oh, it's called prayer, my friends. That's a place where you can go and you can thrive and you can live and you can have your being and you can have breakthrough and you can have answers and you can have a sense of full purpose and re- being realized in your life of God moving through you. Oh, it's all of that and so much more. This is really close to my heart, as you can tell. It's always been. Remember the first years of my ministry, I spent hours kneeling between two elderly saints, men who knew how to get a hold of the throne of God, and I just listened and I learned. More is caught than taught, my friends. They're both in heaven now, hopefully cheering me on. But uh, there, is a, there is a place where you can stand. I'm going to begin, and today I'm going to talk about the three aspects of prayer, the three basic aspects, but I'm going to really hone in on the last one, which is intercession. And I really want you guys to understand what intercession is about and your role, your personal role to step into that place yourself and to take your stand. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 9 beautifully, beautifully displays these three aspects of prayer. Here we go. Put it up on the screen. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, Because he cares for you. Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that 
the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. You know, intercession is a big word for prayer, but it's a distinct kind of prayer. And and I want to talk to you about this more so towards the third point, but uh, it's so essential for you to understand this kind of praying if you want to see your life realized at the highest potential in the purpose of God for you. And it's not as though ordinary prayer like asking or petitioning and requesting and all the other things are invalid or less than intercession. It's not like intercession is a more superior form of praying. It's, it's not. It's another kind of prayer. Uh, and it's every bit as important as all the other kinds or types of prayer. Maybe, maybe it's least understood and uh, therefore, it becomes less exercised. I suppose I could spend 30, I could talk to you about 30 or, or 40 different words of prayer, asking, thanksgiving, worship, praise, waiting, watching. You could go on and on. There are all kinds of aspects of prayer. Each has a distinct part and role. But there are three basic categories of prayer that I want to look at today, and that's worship, petition, and intercession. Now, worship includes, of course, praise and thanksgiving and adulation and exaltation and celebration and all those things. There are all kinds of aspects of worship. Some are very, some expressions of worship may be very quiet and subdued, while others may be really jubilant and demonstrative. Now, petition is basically asking. Asking the Lord for something. Uh, asking a request. Agreeing and asking. Asking may have to do with give us this day our daily bread, part of the Lord's prayer, right? Asking for your basic needs for God to meet. Why? Because what matters to you matters to God. He's concerned about what you're concerned about. You have, uh, Lord, just basically, Lord, I'm asking you'll meet my needs, or Lord, I'm asking that. You'll help me in a job interview, or I'm asking that you help my, my friend with their back issues. It's, there's a petition. There's an asking. And, and the, these, these are all asking for things. Now, some have said that there's a difference between, and the difference between intercession and petition is that intercession is uh, in other people's behalf, and petition is on your own behalf. But actually, that really isn't the definition, because you can ask for things for other people that are simply just asking. And, and that is different from intercession. So worship, basically, we're glorifying God. We're offering thanksgiving and praise, petition, asking. Uh, some is literally consulting with God. Uh, I'm asking, Lord, what shall I do? I'll tell you what, lead me and direct me. This, this is uh, the whole subject of the Lord leading you in your life and asking her for that is really a phenomenally grand one. And we all go there, I'm sure, one, more than, you know, often in our lives. And, but seeking the will of God is part of petition. It's part of asking. Intercession, though, is a, it's a, it's a confrontive kind of praying. And it has to do... Uh, with warring. It's, it's a militant aspect to prayer. Uh, here are some Bible words that you'll come across when you're dealing with intercession. One is uh, the word wrestle. It's a struggle. Very close contact sport, in a sense. There's travail in birthing, giving birth. Uh, 
Paul talks a lot about that. Then there's also another word which we just talked about in verse 9. It's resist. Resist uh, him. Who's him? The devil. It's a spiritual aspect, right? And uh, I want to show you all three of these ideas in the text that we just read, these, these three aspects of, of uh, prayer that we're talking about, uh, worship, petition, intercession. First of all, Let's look at worship because <clears throat> this passage begins like this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up in due time. Like, so you exalt the Lord by humbling yourself before his throne and he'll lift you up. And that's a promise of God. That's a good promise. And some people might say, well, I don't, I don't want the Lord to lift me up or exalt me because then I might, get, I might get too proud. I don't know if you've ever thought that. but Maybe we have. But you can count on this. If you really humble yourself under his hand, you're not going to get proud. He can exalt you then at that place, which means you rise, he'll rise you up to what you are meant to be and cause maximum release in your life. And that's the heart of God. He really wants that for you. That's what he wants to do. Now, maybe you heard someone say, or maybe you've even said it, well, I don't want the Lord to bless me too much because then, you know, I might become proud. Well, maybe the issue is we haven't really come to terms with humbling ourselves under his hand yet. Because when you come into alignment with God, when you come into alignment with him, glorifying and worshiping him, you have basically solved the pride problem. That uh, does not mean that you will not be vulnerable to it. That will always be there. It's not that you don't need to keep walking in humility before him because that's all taken care of. Uh, what it does, it just makes, him, makes room for him to do what God wants to do. And he really does want to uh, release our lives to the maximum possibilities. Now, when I talk about humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God in worship, I, I'm persuaded, I'm really persuaded by this, that one of the reasons for the physical aspects of worship, and there's lots of them, one of the reasons for that is to bring us into confrontation with our fears and our pride. Physical aspects of worship will do that. Um, we need to understand that it's not just tradition or human ideas or preferences that resist physical expression of worship. We might think that. Now, there's a whole lot of physical expressions of worship. There's kneeling, there's standing, there's dancing, there's wave offerings, there's marching, there's Leaping, there's clapping, there's lifting up of hands, uplifted hands. Now, another physical expression of worship, which you may not be aware of or think this is part of it, but it is, and it's actually a big one, is physically putting your body in a local church. Did you know that? That's a big one. Some people don't do that. The phys that's a physical expression of worship. There are some who say, well, I, I don't do that. I just worship God wherever I am. And what they're basically saying is, I'm not going to submit myself to God's program. Now, God's program is for believers to gather on the first day of, every, uh, first day of the week. And the Bible says that. I, I didn't make that up. Um, we, didn't, we don't have church because it's something that you know, we just started doing 100 years ago. <laughs> you know, thought it was a good idea. It's something the Lord said to do. It was God's idea. It's Jesus' idea. And so we come together. And it actually doesn't have to be a big gathering. I mean, it could be two or three. We're two or three gathered together in his name. There he is. And it counts. 
And you'll find people even today, I run into this, that they're still parked at home. And it's not because they're an invalid or they're sick or they have difficulty of schedules. It's mainly because they just, well, some say, well, I just, want to, I just worship God in nature. Now, don't get me wrong. It's wonderful to see God's handiwork in nature. I mean, it inspires me to no end. I love it. But really, what they're saying is it's an issue, really, it's an issue of submission, the submission to God, his word, and his way. That's the bottom line. And we all have to come to terms with that. Um, you know, you, you find that what's in the word of God, we don't, we're, he doesn't let us off the hook on a lot of things. <laughs> you ever discover that? Now, let me just give you another practical point when it comes to the physical expression of worship since we're talking about it. And this is a real common one. Uh, lifting, people lifting up their hands in worship or praise. Now, uh, there are people actually in the body of Christ, you might run into this today, that, that would say maybe that's a little fanatical or maybe it's a, you know, a relig religious exercise that really isn't that necessary. Now, upraising of hands can become just that, a religious exercise that loses its meaning just something that we do. Like sometimes, you know, churches can get into where they just clap all the time and and they're kind of clap happy, but they don't really know why they're doing it. You know what I'm saying? It loses its meaning, and that can happen really easy. Anything we do, just because we do it, becomes meaningless in time if we don't, uh, you know, it's, it's a spiritual exercise that once had very, a lot of meaning and maybe an impact in our own life, but somewhere along the line, we can lose that, and we have to never forget why we do what we do. And the Word helps us with that. In fact, uh, it's the upraising of hands is biblically directed through the scriptures. And it's at the physical dimension, and really it has profound possibilities and reasons why we do this point of deep surrender, lifting our hands before the Lord and what God does through that and the release. One of the reasons that I resisted that, I remember I had my own battle and my own struggle. Um, I wrestled with this in my journey with the Lord. Maybe you have too. I didn't walk in church one day and just say, gee, that looks like a great idea, you know, looking around. I think I'll just jump right in. <laughs> you know, I thought, at first I thought, boy, this is something new. I've never seen this before. Why? Because I spent 20 years in the Catholic Church, Catholicism. And all of a sudden, here I am in a spirit-filled church, and people are raising hands, and they're actually singing. I mean, lifting their voice. Some are shouting. and I mean, it's just really expressive, and I'm looking around going, okay, I." This is new to me, you know. I also felt, um, I felt something of what I knew at the time because I had been born again and I ended up in a spirit-filled church. And I knew at the time, I knew this, that there was something of the Holy Spirit in me, stirring something and nudging me to take that step. I, I just knew it. It, it just, because it, it wasn't normally me and all of a sudden, I'm feeling this, wow, maybe I should, you know, I should probably do this too. Uh, and come into a greater expression of worship that was aligned with the Word of God. And that's important. And I also discovered, even though I, I was coming out of Catholicism, that this, where that was, wasn't the norm, that my past religious experience and my or my tradition, or even my own preferences really wasn't the issue that I was struggling with. The bottom line, when I get really honest with myself, the issue was pride. That was really it. 
That's the real issue. Worship confronts our pride like nothing else. That's why the Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. How do you do that with the spirit of worship and thanksgiving? Exalting him, and that will assault our pride. So my experience in this, uh, you know, I can remember actually the first time. I'm standing around, I'm looking, and people are, you know, it's really great worship, and I'm thinking, okay, uh, how do I do this? Uh, what are people going to think? Okay, I'm just going to close my eyes, and here I go. And I noticed, that I found out that the pride barrier is right about here. And I had to, I had to bust through this pride barrier. <laughs> I thought, okay, this thing's really fighting me, man. And I, finally, I just went, <clears throat> and then I kind of poked, opened one eye and looked around, wondering what other people were thinking. You know what the truth is? 100% of the time, pretty much, what you're thinking other people are thinking, they're not thinking. <laughs> they, they're just like loving Jesus. Here's the real deal. We need to stop thinking about ourselves and start thinking more about God. Amen? And so it wasn't long before I was, hallelujah, man, this is great. I am surrendering my life and my pride before the Lord. And you know what that did? That gave way to more physical expressions of worship that were in alignment with the word of God in the days ahead. But that was my first point of breakthrough. So I would challenge you and encourage you to keep growing in what, call it, what the Holy Spirit is nudging you to do in the spirit of worship. All right? Do I have an amen on that? Yeah! All right. I know some of you are like, you're kind of going, I don't know, Pastor Chris, you're really... Okay, that's all right. We'll, we'll grow together. Now, how about the next one? Let's go to petition. It said, now the next passage, scripture in the past is, cast your cares upon your anxieties or cares upon him because he cares for you, okay? This is what petition does. You get things off my mind, off my heart, my concerns that are on my life, and I, I put them in God's hands. That's petition. That's asking. Now, sometimes we can get this wrong. We have to grow in this because I can go to Lori and I can say, what would you like to do tonight? And she might say, boy, I'd really like to go out to dinner. And then I might pipe up and say, well, wouldn't you rather stay home and like make some burgers? So really, I wasn't asking her, was I? I was only, I just opened the door to assert my desire, right? And, and there are people who pray that way, and I have done that before, right? Lord, I ask that you would do so-and-so, and, and really, I already got my own plans and my own agenda, and I just got, want God to come and bless it and jump on my plans and my agenda and kind of get them over here. Come on, God. <laughs> you ever done that? <laughs> yeah, sure we have. Asking petitionos is casting. It's a casting your cares upon him. What's on your mind, right? What's the toughest thing that's happening in your life right now? What's, what problems need solutions? What problems do you, do you need some help with? You got to ask him. That's what the Bible says, tells us how to do this. In Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, don't be anxious about anything. In other words, don't get all uptight and lose your joy in life. Don't worry and fret. You know, you talk to God a lot, you'll have less worry in your life. If you don't talk to God very much, you're probably going to have a lot of worry in your life. That's why he says, cast all your anxieties and your cares and your worries and concerns on him through asking and relieve yourself of that. He says, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, oh, there it is. Then that peace comes on you. And that peace is amazing because it surpasses, it transcends your understanding. It's like, I don't know how I can have peace in a time like this, but I just do. Why? Because you've cast it upon God. 
And he says, then he's going to guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He'll be a guard, a sentinel. It's really powerful. It's a transferring unto him. That's petition. Now, let's take some time with intercession. This is where I really want to plant our feet today, our believer's stance. It says here in verse 8 and 9 that we just read in the text. It says, and be alert and sober mind. The enemy of the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. Two words in this text got intercession all over them. Alert and sober. Sober is also vigilant. Sober means to be sound mind. Not intoxicated, not overcome with drink or drug or anything else. Being sober and vigilant. In your mind. Being sober, right? That word vigilant means uh, has to do with watchfulness. Bible has a lot to say about being watchful. Um, and it has to do with not just checking out, but keeping your head engaged. Uh, the word here is an interesting word in the original language because that's where you get the word Gregory. The Greek is actually Gregorio. Actually, word means watchman. Now, we might think a watchman is a guy who gets in that little car and, you know, it's got the flashing lights on it and goes around and checks on buildings every hour or so. And that's true. That's what it is. But, it's, but it's, in the scriptures, a watchman is much grander than that. It begins with the watchman was someone who guards a city. Now, you're talking about a whole population center. This is huge. Not only that, but there's a whole lot more at stake than just a building here. Uh, there's also has to do with a military enterprise. You're talking about armies being watched over and guarded, especially at night. And this is a very important strategic militant stance in Scripture. You see the importance of it, the weight of it. And when it says, be alert and sober and be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, prowls around, saying you're, you need to be alert to the spiritual arena. But a lot of times you know what's going on in the spiritual arena because of what's happening in the physical. Mm-hmm. That's where it manifests itself. So it says, be alert, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, your adversary, that devil, he's you got to be alert. The idea of vigilance here is uh, it's directly tied to being alert to Satan's activity. That's where he's dialing us into intentionally. So what do you do? Verse 9, he says, you resist him. You resist. Vigilance or watchfulness and resistance of Satan are essential in intercession. The crux of the idea is you recognize or you are alerted to uh, something that's happening. Uh, it becomes an idea of concern. You're kind of like, mm, that's not right. This is unusual. I don't know why I'm feeling this way, but I am. How does that apply to you and me today? Well, we, we are to respond in situations where we recognize the intrusive hand of hell trying to mess things up. And so we, you and I, we would rise up in faith with prayer to resist. That's where intercession comes in. Now, I'll, this includes three action words that I'm going to talk to you about to get this really to solidify this. Intersection, interve intervention, and interception. I know they all sound alike, but they're different. First one, intersection. Just think of two, two roads intersecting, an intersection with a signal, right? You come to an intersection, there's going to be a signal there. It's going to say, okay, you need to watch what's going on here. All right? 
Intersection means when we come and encounter something that's happening. For example, back in my youth pastor days, um, we lived near a mall, and the mall had an empty space in it, and they would rent it out to different people. One night, we caught wind that it was going to be rented out to a bunch of um, New Age people who come in and read your palms, tarot cards, horoscopes, Eastern mysticism stuff, familiar spirits, and all that jazz. Immediately, my antennas went up. I thought, wait a minute, this is my community, and we're seeing an intrusion of hell here. And I knew full well that there were going to be people that did not realize they were lost people, people that didn't understand all this stuff. They were going to show up and come under the influence of this demonic activity. People were unknowingly going to submit themselves to really demonic control and influence. That's what's happening. when That's behind the spirit of what's going on there. Horoscopes and all that. You don't go to the stars to get your future. You go to the one who created the stars, right? And, and so here you have all this, you know, familiar spirits that just... Un they call familiar spirits demonic spirits because they've watched your ancestors for many, many thousands of years and they know exactly, you know, what to say and what to do and impersonate and all that. It's just a big smoke screen. It's just, but what's happening with people come under that, they unknowingly are opening a door to that realm of counsel, doctrines of demons, the counsel of hell in their life. And they come under this influence and they allow inroads to come in. Oh, a lot of people don't understand the seriousness of this. Even horoscopes. That, that's not God. Go to God if you want to know about your future. and Go to God who knows you, who put you together, who knit you, who created you. Your father. You're his son and daughter. Go to him. And cancel out all those assignments and lies of hell and the deposit of hell. Shut those doors. Don't open those doors to that realm. Because you come into submission, innocently people do this. They come into the innocent activity without even realizing and putting themselves under this dark counsel. And I thought, you know, this is, we can't allow this to happen. So I grabbed, we had ministry team, youth, and, and some of the more mature ones that have been trained. I said, let's, hey guys, let's head on down there and let's disrupt, <laughs> right? That didn't mean we're going to come in there and say, hey, yeah, you're coming under a influence of demons around here. We're gonna. No, and that's not what we did. We just silently walked through and observed, but we prayed. We didn't create a scene. We just silently prayed. And we released the life and the power and the truth of God in that setting, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And we begin to cut off and bind every assignment of hell. We begin to come against the spirit of deception, you know, lying spirits and all that. And we just begin to silently stand by tables and pray and just disrupt and release confusion into that, <laughs> that atmosphere there by the power of God. It was a lot of fun. But that is when you come to an intersection. That brings us to the next word, intervention. You intervene. You step into that situation. That's watchfulness, alertness. If something is happening, you come to that place, and you want to make a difference. And, and so you know you must do something. You, and that doesn't mean that you, like at work, you go and you stand on your desk, or you go to the work, start, work site and, and shout, Hey, I'm the guy that's making a difference around here. You need to listen up. I'm going to pray. You know, no, you, could, you only have to close your eyes, but you can walk around silently. You could begin to bind the spirit of divisiveness and gossip or slander, whatever you're dealing with in that setting. You can take authority over that in the name of Jesus because you have found the intersection. You have stepped into it to intervene. And you encounter. You have encountered an occasion where the Holy Spirit has put you. And you've been given an opportunity to intervene, to step into it. And that, this is where you, this term prayer without ceasing comes in. 
Now, let me explain this for a minute because this trips people up. I really, <laughs> there's really nobody who prays without ceasing. I'm sorry, there really. I mean, I suppose you could be washing the dishes and being praying without ceasing, but um, I think it's really difficult, like when you're watching a program or having a conversation with somebody. Oops, I just realized I went half an hour without praying. Oh, boy. Uh, the idea of praying without ceasing, I think it sounds really noble and spiritual, but I don't really think it's possible. I think you need to look at the spirit of the word, what Paul was trying to communicate. What I believe about prayer without ceasing is that you are ceaselessly sensitized to the fact that you're a praying person and that you are always aware of situations so that you are ready in season and out in which you can step into and intervene. Does that make more sense now? Your antennas are up, right? And it also means never giving up. And that doesn't mean I'm going to pray every day, every moment, every minute, every day for a week until this is answered. That's No, it's, it's a sense of, you know, I, I got my regular times of prayer and I'm pressing on this issue, but, and then you'll find yourself, you know, I got a little spare time here and that's really been on my mind. I'm going to take a few more moments to pray about that. And it's just a sense of ongoing pressing, pressing, and not, not allow it to diminish until you have an answer. And so I'm just trying to give you a practical application of the spirit of the word. Uh, the, the intervening role carries on, that on continually, which brings us to the next point, interception. That's the third word. Now, most, I think most of us are familiar with the word interception when it comes to football. Uh, the quarterback throws the ball down the field, and it doesn't get to the intended receiver. It gets intercepted by a player from the other team, and... Now, what he's going to do is, there's no tacklers around the man. He's going to go do what he can and run to the opposite goal line and reverse the flow to score a touchdown, right? That's, this is where interception comes in. We move on until we get there. You stay with it. So you see there's an intersection. You step into to intervene, and then you stay with it. You stay with it. Now, if the guy caught the ball and he thought he's looking around going, hey, let's have some fun. And he starts juggling the ball around, you know, doing a little hand tricks and stuff. Pretty soon, everybody's going to start screaming at the guy. What are you doing? Quit messing around. Get the ball down the field. What are you doing? Right? It's like you get, you move towards the goal line. Now, interception has to do with once you have the intersected and intervened, again, you stay with it and you press it until victory's obtained. You stay with it. Now, it's not just a matter of heading them off at the pass, and then it's over. And you see this principle with the Israelites in the Old Testament. God would call them into battle. Israel would go to battle with God, and they would encounter the enemy, and God would throw the enemy into uh, massive confusion. And they would start running in 85 different directions. He would scatter their plans, scatter their people, splatter their plans. And the Bible says that then they would pursue them. They would pursue them until they were all dead or they were captured. Pretty powerful. In other words, the enemy is coming against me, right? And the enemy is well organized, but I came organized as well. I rose up and resisted, recognized, remember the word resist in verse 9 again? And that's what the believer's intercessors are. They are a resistance movement, resisting the works of hell wherever they crop up or show themselves. And when you resist... Believe me, the enemy's going to scatter. Any works of hell do not stay organized if they are effectively confronted and they scatter. But if you let them just scatter and give them opportunity to regroup, then they will regroup. And so you press it. 
you press it. You, it, it doesn't, and sometimes pressing doesn't mean between now and Tuesday. It means maybe a couple of weeks or several weeks or maybe even some months before you get across that, that line, before you know that there has been an answer, that things have been resolved, and you feel a lift in the spirit. You feel the concern has been dealt with. And you can be aware of that, and you can be sensitized to that. The Holy Spirit does. I remember early on, years in ministry, I was learning about this spiritual warfare, and there was a time the Lord really took me through some intensity on this. And um, actually, after a while, led an intercessory group and grew a whole bunch in that arena. But I remember as a young, I was youth pastoring as well as associate pastor. I had a ton of things on my plate. We were a young family, a whole lot going on. It's winter time. You're head down. You're just knocking things down, you know, slugging it out. We got two little girls, two toddlers, a lot going on. And we were, it was a month where, where it was like the plague, right? <laughs> one kid would get sick, then the next one would get sick, then I would get sick, then Lori would get sick, and then I'd get sick again, then when I would get sick, and just this ongoing, relentless sickness, as well as everything else. And I wasn't being vigilant or sober in a sense. I, I was in a fog in a sense, because you know how it is in the busyness. You get caught up in all the stuff that's going on, and then you're trying to put out fires, and people are sick, and everybody, and it's just like, Finally, I don't know what it was, but I was alerted or jolted. I can't remember how it happened. But all of a sudden, it was like I picked my head up, and I thought, this ain't right. Something of the Holy Spirit said, you need to be more vigilant, because there's something, there's a hand of hell, there's an intrusive hand of hell pressing in against your home. You know, Daniel says he comes to wear, he comes to wear down the saints. And I felt like he was wearing us down, there was something pressing against us, and sickness, and and you know what? I thought, this is more than meets the eye. The physical arena is speaking to me now that something in the spiritual arena needs to be addressed. And it was my job as the priest of the home to step into that place and take authority and stop that nonsense and not tolerate the adversary. Amen? And I got mad, man. Nobody was home mad, man, yeah. And I took the vial of oil, actually, and I walked through. I anointed the doorposts of my house, the doorposts of bedrooms, windows, walls, and I was binding and rebuking the devil. I was casting out and, and uh, 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 taking authority over the spirit of, a, of darkness and infirmity and sickness and torment. And I said, hell, you get out of my house. I take authority over you in the name of Jesus Christ. And you can feel heaven just going, boom, you know. And let me tell you something. There was an immediate shift. Something happened. Something broke. And hell was kicked out. And from that point, I learned a lesson. Keep your head up and stay vigilant. Be sober. Because you let your guard down, the enemy will take advantage of it. He'll find his way in and start wrecking havoc. It was a lesson I learned, and I began to take my stand more proactively and intentionally. And uh, that's where resistance comes in. The word resist. You, you under, you've heard the word antihistamine. That's a pharmaceutical, ter pharmaceutical term that's used in medicine for chemicals that you know, develop resistance against infection or allergy. But it's derived from the exact word that's here in the Greek New Testament. The word antihistamine. Anti, which is against, and histamine, which is to stand. That's what intercession is. It's someone taking their stance against something that's happening in the spiritual arena. 
They may have a perception or recognize the issues or of life. You know, and this happens a lot. We just think, well, man, that's just circumstances, or that's just politics, or that's just financial stuff. Let me tell you what. Behind all of that is a much larger spiritual issue going on that we need to be alert to, that we're dealing with. We need to recognize that and take our stance in that realm and resist. And you take your stand against what is happening. The matter of stancing yourself is only successful when you know when to stand, where to stand. Ephesians chapter 6 says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's not our battle in the physical arena, but it will show itself there. But he says, we wrestle against spiritual forces of evil and wickedness in heavenly realms, the unseen realm. That's why the Bible says, resist the devil. And then in there it says, take your stand. And then he says, stand again. And then he says, therefore, we need to do everything to stand several times. He's talking about taking your stance. Then he says, put on the full armor of God. And every person, piece of armor brings it right back to the place where all of us are called to stand. And the grounds for your victory are the cross. Yeah, you guys should probably come out. I'm going to wrap this up. When you trace every piece of armor, it brings us back to the cross where we're called to stand. The grounds for your victory. The grounds of authority of the intercessor of every praying believer are in what Jesus has done at the cross. The grounds of breaking the back of the adversary are at the cross. I will stand in my place and understand that when I take my stance in Christ, the power of the cross, where hell's power was broken, amen? I am taking what has been provided by the, through the victory of the cross. I'm applying it to this situation right here and now. What Jesus did at the cross only works when you apply it. Jesus died for my sins and your sins. If you don't receive that and apply that to your own life, well, it doesn't count. You have to, he's, it's provided, but you have to apply it. And the same thing in intercession. The Lord says he has provided victory over the works of hell. And I stand on Calvary's ground and I apply it. I enforce Calvary's victory over the enemy in this situation. And I praise you, God, that you have defeated the enemy and the victory is mine because I am seated with Christ in heavenly places and your enemies are my enemies and they're under our feet. The weakest believer becomes powerful in God at that moment. Once we take our position in prayer, all the power of the throne of the universe and heaven in the name of Jesus are released at that point. You could just sense that grace come upon you and through you in that moment. And hell scatters as you take your stand in authority in Christ. Are you getting that? This is for you. This is what Jesus has accomplished for us. You stand firm. Now, there are things that can inhibit your effectiveness in prayer. If you read through the first, first Peter, it talks about all that too. It talks about walking in forgiveness. If, you, if there's any kind of hatred or unforgiveness or divisiveness towards another person, that can greatly hinder your prayer. In marriage... As husbands, live your wives in an understanding way that your prayers may be answered, right? In other words, if there's divisiveness in marriage, it can hinder your prayer. And then also it talks about in First Peter, taking on, allowing the spirit of the world to saturate your life that will greatly inhibit, gum up the process. So uh, we have, I got to skip through all this stuff, but getting caught in the spirit of unforgiveness, divisiveness of marriage or even just saturated with the spirit of this world. The bottom line is we need to flush all that stuff away. Flush it out. 
I'm not talking about never being tempted with them. I'm not talking about having to grow in your marriage, never having to grow in your marriage. I'm not talking about arriving at perfection and then my prayer will be powerful. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just simply talking about confronting those things in yourself when they happen. Deal with them so that the power of prayer can take place. The authority of the cross. Stand on Calvary's ground and watch the power of God rock the caverns of hell. Amen? Let's stand together. Every believer is called to take this stance. You take your stand. You do not tolerate the adversary. Manipulations of man will never accomplish this. It's only by your spirit, God. Spirit must confront spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to flow through your life and break the powers of darkness and the intrusive hands of hell that would try to come against you. Intercessor's, intercessor's role is very important. Petition is important too. Worship is extremely important. They're all important. But I want you to understand and learn the full spectrum of the privilege that you have in Christ and where you're called to stand. And take that stand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You guys want to play something? Soften the environment. Around. I've been yelling and screaming and shouting. Thank you, Lord. Can we pray just for a moment? Lord Jesus, this, this, this message is so important to my heart. And Lord, it's the lifeline for us. It's the way we grow and communicate with you in our relationship. And I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, you take the words and the scripture right now and seal it to our hearts in the name of Jesus. Lord, for those that have noticed things happening in their home, maybe some type of intrusion, marriage or any other way, their own lives, their own thought life, places at work, Lord, where we, it feels like it's just being disrupted. Lord, I believe you're calling us today to begin to take our stand and to resist and to push back the works of darkness by the authority of Christ and the cross. To release that power where we live, where we walk, in our living rooms, in our homes, in our workplace, in the schools, wherever we walk. We will not tolerate the adversary. We will not lay down and be sleepy, Lord, but we will be sober, we will be vigilant, we will be watchful, and we will be the resistance movement by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts and to discover how you can connect, visit us at churchak.org or download our Church on the Rock AK app from either iTunes or Google Play. Thank you.